This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll In the town of Lepnik, there lived a Jew whose name was Yankale. And Yankale made his living by buying merchandise from far away and bringing it back to the town and reselling it. And it wasn't an easy business to be in. Sometimes he had to borrow large sums of money to buy the merchandise. Many times by the time he went to sell it, either there was too much competition or a lack of demand. Or just in general, he couldn't get the price that he wanted. And this went on for many years. And even though his spirits were high, his wife's were not. One day, Yankele looks at his wife and he says, Why are you so sad? She said, Listen, Yankele, we don't have the basic things at home. We're missing so much. We just don't have enough money. It's very hard without all this money, Yankele. And Yankele says, Don't worry. I'm sure that Eliyahu Navi, Elijah the prophet, will send us money and do some miracle for us. And so he went on his way to sell his merchandise. And on the way out of town, he sees the mail coach. And you know, those days the roads were made of mud, and there were roots in the road, and the coach was wobbling back and forth. And two envelopes fell out of the back of the coach. And Yankala sees them. He picks up one. It was a thick envelope, and it was written on it, 30,000 marks in cash. And the mailman was supposed to deliver it to some squire. And the address was written on the envelope. The other was a regular envelope with clearly a letter in it. And also an address on it. And Yankalik puts the envelope with the thick wad of cash in his backpack. And then shouts to the mailman. Hey, you dropped an envelope. The mailman stops. He jumps out of the carriage. Comes back and takes the envelope from Yankalik. And he says, thank you so much. You don't know I could lose my job for losing this envelope. So thank you. And the mailman got back in his coach and drove away. And so Yankele, realizing that the miracle he had been waiting for just happened to him, went back home. His wife is shocked to see him because he was supposed to be away for many weeks, maybe even months. And she said, my husband, what are you doing back so soon? He said, I told you that Elijah the prophet could bless us. And here, look at what happened. The mailman dropped 30,000 marks at my feet. He opens the envelope and shows her all the cash. His wife looks at the money and looks at her husband and say, did I really marry you? I married a thief? He said, what do you mean? I'm not a thief. This is a gift from God. It landed at my feet. She said, yeah, it landed at your feet, but it's not for you. It has someone's name and address on it, and you needed to return that to the mailman. You stole the money. Yankele said to his wife, listen, first of all, he's a goy. He's not one of us. What do I care? The goyims steal money from Jews all the time. So now a Jew gets to take some money from a goy. Is that such a bad thing? And second, that squire is so rich. What's 30,000 marks to him? And not only that, because it's being delivered by the mailman, so the government has to pay him back. Doesn't the government have enough money? So I don't know what you're complaining about. As far as I'm concerned, this is a gift from God. But Yankula's wife, she wasn't going to take this. And she said, listen, my husband, I might be a simple woman and just a housewife. And I don't know fancy, sophisticated ideas like yours. 
but I do know that that money is not ours. And we're not allowed to take someone else's money. Period. There's nothing to talk about. Now imagine our children wake up in the morning and discover that all of a sudden their parents became thieves. But Yankula said, listen, dear, if you're not going to make me a cup of tea, I'll do it myself. And Yankula sat there and sipped his tea. His wife comes over to him and he says, listen, do you really think the government's going to let 30,000 marks just disappear? The police will come here. The mailman knows you returned a letter to him. Maybe he'll think you found the other one as well. That convinced Yankele. He jumped up out of his chair, moved the wardrobe, tore up the floorboards, and put the envelope underneath, put the plank of wood over the floor again, and pushed the wardrobe safely back in place. And then he went back and continued drinking his tea. And a few hours later, there was a policeman and the mailman at their door. And they say to Yankele, listen, you returned one envelope. Did you happen to see another one with 30,000 marks in it? And Yankele said, no, don't know what you're talking about. Yankele's wife sat there quietly, looking very disappointed at her husband. But the policeman didn't care. He said, would you two mind if I searched your house? And Yankele says, please be my guest. And after searching everywhere, the policeman could not find the money. He looks at the mailman. He says, you're sure this is the guy that found the envelope? And the mailman said, yeah, you know what? He's really an honest man. I mean, he found one envelope and gave it back to me right away. Maybe I lost the other one someplace else. Why do you think it's him? And the policeman looks at the mailman and looks at Yankele and says, ah, I get it. You two are in cahoots. Now you're putting a good word in for Yankele here. It's obvious that this is an inside job. And now I'm going to have to arrest the two of you and put you in jail. And so just like that, Yankele and the mailman were thrown into jail. Word spread throughout the town that Yankele, the honest, innocent, gentle merchant, was thrown into jail. And everyone knows that this is just a vicious libel against the Jews. He didn't steal anything. He never stole anything in his life. And every day people brought food and drinks to Yankele's wife and children. And they would say, we're so sorry that the police took your husband away for no reason whatsoever. In the meantime, the government put posters all around town. Whoever finds the lost envelope of 30,000 marks will get 500 rubles as a reward. Now, nobody was impressed because if you found 30,000 marks, you didn't need 500 rubles. And of course, no one returned the money. But in the meantime, Yankele is sitting in jail, awaiting his trial. Yankele's wife is trying to figure out, what do I do? This is simply thievery. I don't want the money in my house. I want my husband back. And so she goes and moves the wardrobe, pulls up the floorboards, takes out the envelope, and goes to the local rabbi, figuring he and his wisdom and his great life experience would know what to do. And then they could forget about it. Her husband would be freed and life could move on. But as she walked by the home of the local rabbi, she saw he was a great scholar and he was sitting there and teaching. She couldn't disturb him and his teaching. So she starts walking back home. But then she says to herself, what am I doing? I'm walking around with an envelope of 30,000 marks. There's posters all around town asking who found the money. I can't have this money. And so she runs back to the rabbi's house. And even though he's teaching a lesson, she simply throws it through the window and runs away. The rabbi notices something lands under his table. And none of his students seem to notice. And he pushes it under his feet and quickly ends the lesson. And then he looks down. And he sees it's a fat envelope with 30,000 marks written on it. 
and he knew this had to be the lost money. And poor innocent Yankele is imprisoned because somebody else stole this money. He tried to think who would throw it in through his window. And why didn't the person just hand it in for the reward? But now it was the rabbi's responsibility. And the rabbi was indeed a wise man. And he thinks, if I go straight to the post office and return this money, they might accuse me of stealing it. And the fact that a rabbi shows up with the stolen money... It might be a chilul Hashem, an embarrassment to Hashem and the Jewish community. Would the police really believe me if I told them that the money simply landed at my feet as I was giving a class in Torah? They'll assume that the rabbi and Yankele and the whole Jewish community had planned to steal this money from the government. And then for whatever reason, they decided to give it back and I'll be arrested. And so he took the envelope and locked it in the drawer of his desk then went out for a stroll to clear his mind. He had to figure out a way to return the money, be smart about it, and not get caught. But a short while into his walk, he realized, wait a minute, I shouldn't have locked it in the drawer. Maybe it was some anti-Semite that threw it through my window, just so me, the rabbi, could be put in jail. I need to take the envelope out of the drawer and put it on the floor exactly where it first landed. And then if a policeman comes, he'll realize that no thief would just leave the envelope sitting on the floor. And so he went back home, took the envelope out, and put it exactly where it landed on the floor, and then continued on his walk. And as he's walking, he's turning over all these ideas in his mind. What could he do? What would happen if he did this? And what would happen if he did that? And then suddenly, he sees the local bishop out on his daily walk. And the bishop and the rabbi always had a good relationship. The bishop had a great deal of respect for the holy rabbi. And he sees the rabbi is deep in thought. The bishop says to the rabbi, Rabbi, what's going on? And the second the bishop asks the rabbi, he comes up with an idea. The rabbi says to the bishop, Tell me, in your religion, are you required to keep any secret that's told to you in confession? And the bishop says, Yes, of course. Any secret that's shared with me in confession, I would never share with another person ever. And the rabbi says, Okay, another question. Are you allowed to receive confessions from a Jew? And the bishop is surprised. And he said, yes, rabbi, I can receive confessions also from a Jew. In that case, the rabbi says, I want to make a confession to you. And the bishop says, fantastic, rabbi. That would be wonderful. Let's go to the church and do it right now. And the rabbi says, no, I can't do it in your church. I'll have to do it at your home. And the bishop says, okay, I have a confessional in my home. It's a special chair, and a special place to give confessions. And the rabbi said, I'm sorry, my friend, I can't do it in a confessional. No special chair and nothing special, just two ordinary chairs next to the table. I want to sit in your house and give you my confession. And the bishop, he didn't really understand what was going on. And he said, listen, rabbi, we have rules in our religion. And rules are rules. And the rules are that confessions are given in a confessional, not at a table, not with two of us sitting next to each other. But rabbi, I've certainly never had a rabbi give a confession to me. So I'm going to give a dispensation and make an exception to the case for you, Rabbi. You can come to my house. You can sit at the table. We'll sit in regular chairs and you can give me your confession. And the Rabbi said, great, I need to go home and get something and I'll be back at your house within an hour. And the Rabbi went back to his house. He grabbed the envelope from the floor, put it in his coat and quickly made his way back to the bishop. The two of them sat down at the table on regular chairs. And the rabbi told the whole story to the bishop that he was sitting and teaching a lesson. 
The money literally landed at his feet, and he wants the bishop to please take the money and give it to the postal authorities and tell them that somebody had given it to him in confession and under no circumstances can he reveal the identity of that person. And the bishop knew that the rabbi didn't steal the money, and he also understood his authority and the respect that was given to him, and so he took the money and returned it. And the next day, the whole town of Lepnik was talking about how the money had been found, and Yankele was freed, and he had been arrested for nothing, he never stole the money, and Yankele was so happy to be released from jail and not have to face a trial. But as soon as he came home, his wife told him what happened. You know, Yankele, you think you got out and you got to keep the money? He looked at her and he said, what did you do? She said, I'll tell you what I did. I'm not a thief like you. I went and took the money out of the hiding place and I gave it to the rabbi. The rabbi returned it to the postal authorities. Because of that, you were freed from jail. You better go to the rabbi and thank him for saving your life. And so, Yankele was first excited, thinking that he got to keep the 30,000 marks. Realizing that he wasn't ever going to see that money, he went to thank the rabbi for what he had done. And as soon as he walked into the rabbi's room, the rabbi said, The blessing, Matir Asurim, blessed is Hashem who frees the captive. And he told Yankele, I'm so sorry that you innocently sat in jail for no reason. You are a righteous man, and this was a true injustice that should never have been done to you. And Yankele said, Rabbi, no, you don't understand. I'm not righteous, and I'm not innocent. I stole the money. The rabbi said, what? He said, well, I didn't really steal the money. It landed at my feet as I was walking on the road, but I figured it was a gift from God. So I took it and hid it in my house, and then I was arrested, and my wife took the money and threw it through your window. So thank you, Rabbi, for saving me. At that point, the bishop came in. He received a reward of 500 rubles for returning the money, and he wanted to give it to the rabbi. But the rabbi said, no, you're the one who deserves it. You took the envelope from me. You took the blame away from me and allowed me to return it without being scared. You deserve the 500 rubles. But the bishop said, no, I didn't do anything. I didn't find the money. If you don't want the money, rabbi, distribute it to the poor. The rabbi said, no, I won't even distribute it to the poor. The money belongs to you, bishop. And the two of them went back and forth. In the meantime, Yankele is standing there, shocked at what's going on. He didn't know that the bishop actually returned the money. And then the rabbi says to the bishop, listen, Yankele here, he is an innocent man. He sat in jail for no reason. Wouldn't it be proper for us to give him the 500 rubles? And the bishop said, yes, of course. I don't know why I didn't think about it. At first, Yankele didn't want to take the money because he knew that he stole it. He didn't deserve a reward, that was for sure. But the rabbi insisted, and the bishop gave him the 500 rubles. And when the bishop left, the rabbi looked at Yankele, and he said, Listen, Yankele, you had faith in Hashem. You really believed that Hashem gave you a gift of 30,000 marks. But I think you also knew that it wasn't yours to keep. And that was your problem, Yankele. The faith you had, but not enough faith to realize that if Hashem is going to give you 30,000 marks, He's going to give it to you, and you don't need to steal it from someone else. And Yankele looks at the rabbi and he says, Rabbi, you know, my wife and I, we've struggled for so long. I don't know what to do. I'm tired of traveling around. I'm tired of being poor. I want to support my family with kavod, with honor and respect. I want to have clothes and food and a roof that doesn't leak. Rabbi, please, you have to help me. And the rabbi puts his hand on the 500 rubles and he says, this is for you, Yankele, to open a general store and you make sure that everything in there is kosher. And I'm going to tell the whole Jewish community to buy from you. And you continue having faith in Hashem. 
and I promise you, you will be successful. And so Yankele took the money and opened a little general store, and year after year, he made more and more money. The rabbi continued sending him customers, and Yankele went out of his way to find the poor people in town and support them with the money that he made. And of course, the rabbi and the shul and the whole community, in many decades past, Yankele prospered more and more, being able to open more and more businesses to serve the community. When the rabbi was a very old man and about to leave this world, he called for Yankele to be by his bedside. He said, Yankele, I'm so happy that you've been blessed with so much success. But what makes me happier than anything in the world is knowing that you did it by having simple faith in Hashem and not trying to be sophisticated and coming up with reasons why someone else's money would be yours. You make sure to teach other people this lesson, Yankele, because it wasn't just a lesson for you and for me. It's a lesson for all of us. With that, the rabbi said Shema and left this world. With that, the rabbi left us this story to remind us that even though we don't always know it and see it, Shem is always running the world. so much for listening my sweetest friends you know whenever i tell a long story like this one i just tell one but next week there'll be more stories so thank you for listening thank you for sharing thank you to all the contributors i'm truly grateful for your contributions and until next week the chai my sweetest friends zai gesund